North Otago. It's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. Hello again, Damien. Kia ora, Gary. We're back. We're back. It's been a wee bit of a break, though. Uh, you had a few weeks off, but we got those ones done for New Year. Yep. What most people probably don't realise is we pre-recorded them <laughs> Well, they probably year. do. Yeah, they probably figured it out. We think, so we think we're following them, but we're, we're not. We're finally back from holiday. Yes. Yeah. Hey, we've got a few exciting podcasts lined up for the listeners, mm-hmm. um, and I think people are ready to hear a wee bit more about our amazing district, yep. uh, North Otago, the Waitaki district, and um, yeah, what's going on. Absolutely. Now... We've had a beauty queen on yes, the podcast before. We have. She went from Miss North Otago to Miss New Zealand to uh, to enter in competition. Have we ever had a beauty king? No. Are you sure? Well, today might change that. Today? Yes. Do you want to introduce Mr. North Otago to the... Yeah, I think he might have been the inaugural Mr. North Otago. But anyway, great to have Jimmy McGowan. Welcome, Jimmy. Oh, it's wonderful to be here, Gary and Damien. Yeah. It's a real thrill. Thank you very much. Would you like us to call you Mr. North Otago or is Jimmy fine? Uh, you can just call me uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. My friends call me Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, you two can call me James. Yeah. <laughs> no problem, James. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jimmy, really good to have you on. And I think a lot of people in North Otago will know who you are. And especially if they've been through the two schools, especially Boys High or the Rec Centre or something, you've been involved in a lot. So I'm um, really looking forward to hearing your story today and um, your history or your connection with North Otago and this awesome district. So I don't know if people can really tell from your accent, but um, were you born in North Otago? No, Gary, (laughs) and I've actually been meaning to catch up with you about that. Uh, I was born in Belfast in 1959, and we came out here in uh, at the end of 1970. Um, Ironically, I'm still a British citizen, and I haven't taken out my New Zealand citizenship, which I do have the paperwork on, but I think I can get it done a little bit cheaper if I... Get Gary on it. Yes. Um, so, so then we came out here at the end of seventy when the troubles were really bad in Ireland. Uh, so my mother and father, six kids, came to Omaru. We had a, an auntie and an uncle here in Omaru. Yeah. Uh, auntie in Dunedin and uh, an uncle. Who was your auntie and uncle in Omaru? Uh, yeah. Well, he was a famous guy, famous policeman, Neil Crookshank. Yeah. Ned was his name, and he came out. Oh, he was a New Zealander. And he married my mother's sister, Jean, in the 60s. Uh, and they had a house in Meon Street. And when we came out from Ireland, like they, all, they had four kids. Mm-hmm. And there were six of us. And uh, I always look back at those times. You must have only been about 30 years old. And to take a family of eight from another country and sponsor them. And, and uh, you know, it was, a, it was a hell of a feat mm-hmm. for him to do. And he was, a, he was quite a legendary figure around here. And he kicked around with likes of Ingalls Galbraith and Pat Kennedy and, you know, big names in, in the police in the old days. Yeah. And, and um, me old hearty used to know, you know, the old famous guy. So, um, so yeah, so that's how we started here in Omaru and, uh, and we've never really looked back. So that must be a big change come from a big city like Belfast. I know there was trouble. Did you feel the trouble at the time? Were you afraid or did mum and dad shelter you well, from a lot of that? 
when you when you're ten or eleven, yeah. and you're a boy, it's it's a, it's an adventure. It's boys' own stuff. Yeah, and and the sad thing is that um, you don't realise the the trauma that that your parents are going through. Yeah, uh, having kids from five years old to fourteen, and 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 in a guerrilla war raging all around the place. But one of the things that fascinates um, people I talk to about those days is, and it's a sad indictment of, of sectarian violence and stuff. Oh, we never met, we never met a, a, a non-Catholic, yeah. we never met a Protestant mm. until we came to New Zealand. So we lived in our ghettos, and they lived in their ghettos, and for all we knew, they had three heads and six arms and. So then coming to New Zealand and, and you know, you, you, the blood match comes up and there's a bit of jibbing and a bit of sectarian stuff. It's all, you know, all the mm. the rugby. But outside of that, you know, we, we just couldn't believe how it was just a, not an issue. Whereas over there, their whole lives evolve around their religion yeah. and, and whatever football team they support. It's pretty sad, really. So you, you're... Your life's pretty small. It's pretty myopic. Your communities are tiny. Everyone knows each other. That's a good thing, but in that in that in that section, it's not a good thing now. Yeah. So what what was it like living over there at that time? Like, were you getting you know, did, did people get stopped in the streets and things oh, like yeah. that? Oh yeah, yes, happening? they did. Um, there was 1970 was really bad. Uh, they had a curfew in June and they locked down the whole areas that we were. It started really flaring up. All the roads were blocked off, barricaded. Fathers used to take turns at manning the barricades. Uh, that was when things were, until the, the army had established some sort of semblance of control. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty wild. You know, mm-hmm. we, we could see the smoke bellowing from streets that had been burnt out. We saw refugees coming down into our area from Catholic areas that had been burnt out. And I'm not naive to think that that Protestant areas weren't getting burnt out as well, and it was just sort of a, a mini ethnic cleansing yeah. in any areas that that had some mixing became more polarised, mm. and and that that tends to happen. And then there's a lesson for us all, you know, whether it's populist politics or anything. The further you get apart, the further you are to get back. Yeah, yeah. And so it was pretty sobering times, really. And a family of, you know, six kids. So uh, where did you come in the order of things? I was the oldest boy. Yeah. Um, my, my other brother, Paul, there is a lot of questions around his, you know, whether he is adopted or not. <laughs> um, I have always wondered that. Yeah. yeah. Well, wonder no more. I'll talk to you later. Uh, so then there was three boys, three girls, and we've all done really well. Uh, New Zealand's been wonderful to us. Um couldn't couldn't imagine living anywhere else, and yeah. none of us would have imagined the, the life that we would have had in in Ireland compared to what New Zealand's given us, yeah. and and even more importantly, what what Omaru's given us and continues to give us. So, you know, if if there's anything I'd like to put out there is we really don't know what we got mm. until you go away yeah. and then come back and oh right. So true. true. It's, it's, yeah, so that's that's wonderful, yeah. And you're all still in, around Omaru? Anyone yeah. moved away? Well, here's the irony. We, 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 all, we all left Omaru at one stage. Uh, 
my older sister Anne went away to teacher's college, came back to Omru. She's been at St. Joseph's mm-hmm. since like, I don't know, 20 AD. <laughs> um, so she's been there since about 1980. Yeah. And then Kathy went away to Melbourne and then she came back. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know Kathy very oh, well. Yeah. Eugenia, uh, she went away for a short period and now she's still away. She's um, runs a boarding school in Nelson. Uh, Johnny, my younger brother, he went away to Scotland and went overseas for quite a while. So the only one of the six of us, I went away with the army a couple of times, mm-hmm. uh, but the only one who hasn't left Omaru to live is actually Paul. Yeah. You know, the so-called adopted one. <laughs> yeah. He may be afraid we wouldn't let him back in if he got out. Yeah, well, I certainly would be front of the queue, yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. You, you've yeah, travelled from the other side of the world and then you've all... Stayed pretty much in the same yeah. same smallish um, town. So yeah, but obviously you are enjoying it. Families enjoyed it. You've yeah, just just making the most of it. Yeah, I think that's one of the unique things that that my family have had, and increasingly it's becoming less. Um, like families used to all grow up in one town, and then yeah. they would. But how many how many families of six children um, are still in the same town? like 50 years or later, you know. Mm. So it's quite unique. So for a young boy um, turning up in North Otago, it would have been a massive um, culture shock. Were you, and obviously, you know, mixing with Protestants and obviously not having to check your bags or lock your doors at night. Can you remember those first early weeks and months and just adjusting to the, you know, new school and all of those things or...? Yeah, the, I went to what was called St. Patrick's School, which is now part of St. St. Joseph's. Yeah. It was run by the Christian Brothers. Uh, and the thing that, that amazed me um, about school and the environment then was everyone had a car and everyone had a garden and it was just so spread out. And our memories of growing up in Belfast, pretty grey, sort of drab, dour sort of an environment, yep. um, red brick, you know, to go to park, go to a park, you'd have to save a bit of money to get a bus to go and play on some grass because everyone played on the footpath. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming to New Zealand, the sheer vastness of it, and um, yeah, the greenery was, strikes me. Cars, telephones. Um, I I do remember vaguely when I was about twelve or thirteen, fighting in the, in the hall of a house in Reed Street to see who would be the first one to use a telephone. Um, amongst the family because yeah, yeah, yeah. we, no one had them in Belfast. Yeah. So, yeah. But the school was, uh, school was much the same. Uh, uniforms. We didn't have uniforms in Belfast, but we had a uniform with some pats. And I went to a single sex school in, in Ireland. It was yeah. St. St. Pat's and St. Joseph's were right next door together. Mm. It's been quite a change geographically around that area, quite a lot. So, yeah. And opportunities at school and so you know sports, uh, you know the education itself. Yeah, well, see, that's another little story. Um, when I was a kid, I used to play football, you know, soccer. The beautiful um, game. Was. I was very good too, Damien. Well, yeah, yeah. I remember playing against you for Annie Flanagan's. Oh, I played against Gary Cook. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember that the Shirley brothers and yeah, you had a yes. pretty sharp team then. Yes. Well. Yeah. I don't know about the others, but yeah. I do recall being pretty sharp. Oh, you, you, you were great, yeah. <laughs> no, cut it out, please. I'm, I'm okay. only a man. Yeah. But he, here's another slight thing about the sectarian thing. Like, came over and played football, and I remember football was, was 
in the early 70s, it was still that girly sport, you know. It was still seen as a real threat mm-hmm. to, um, to rugby. And here's another story that the sectarians just think. In 1979, I went back to Ireland. I was with the army at the time and I was on leave. And um, I was going down the Falls Road, a Catholic area, and I was playing rugby by then. And I said to my cousin, oh, I wonder if I could borrow somebody's boots and maybe I'll get a game of rugby while I'm here. And he looked at me in the double-decker bus and he said, oh, Jim, no, we, we don't play rugby here. They're Gaelic football posts. We, do, we don't play rugby here. Yeah. So even right up until the 70s, you know, rugby was a, a like an English sort of Thank Protestant you. sport and yeah. working-class people and Catholics didn't. And I thought, are you kidding me? You're telling me you can't play a particular sport because you're a left-footer? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, probably those small things that you come across that sort of tell the real difference. Yeah. Very small, subtle difference. But but mm. there were big differences as well. Mm. I mean, the, the, you, people invariably say about the friendliness of, of New Zealanders and stuff. But, you know, you know the, 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 the gratitude that, uh, that we have to the Omru people 50-odd years ago, it's... Still, we're quite humble to be be part of here. And we were we were we arrived in uh, in New Zealand at the end of November, I think, six weeks on a boat. In those days, and so we got here like two, three, three weeks before Christmas. But I recall having probably one of the best Christmases we ever had, mm. and that was down to a lot of people in the community that that reached out because there was sort of no refugees in those days, yeah. and we sort of were refugees. In that way, but uh, Omri was was wonderful. Damien and Gary really. So there was yeah. what the church churches getting together. Yeah, mainly mainly the mainly the Catholic Church. It was a big deal in those days. Yeah, but yeah, well, I don't recall us having much to do with the other churches, because of course in those days, Damien and Gary, there was only like yeah. there wasn't any like Pentecostal churches. Mm. Crazy, just the clappy ones. It was yeah. just yeah, there was yeah. none of those. <laughs> No, those fly by ones, you know, <laughs> the real ones. You know? yeah. yeah, but so yeah, no, it was just just the, the, it was a big deal. The Catholic Church in those days, it was, they were packed. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'll jump in now. I just that's good, and I love to hear that that Omaru and North Otago was so good to you back in the seventies. Yeah, but and then over the years, your family has been good back to this district. So, um, you wonder how many people come in nowadays that. You know, and in another 20, 30, 40, 50 years, them and their families all give back into this district. Yeah. But for me, that's, oh, I love to hear that, that, yeah, the town got round you. Well, you sort yeah. of feel, you feel an obligation to, uh, to repay, to, to repay that, that debt in some ways. And yeah. So if, if, if a country and a town takes you in, yeah. uh, then you have, you know, it, you're, you're still a guest in some ways. You're not, you're not, by right, born in somewhere, mm. so you've got to earn earn your way. And immigrants and you know refugees, they do tend to think that there is a, a debt or, or to be repaid some way. Not that it's asked for, mm. um, but yeah. Yeah. So, did you have a house to move into when you came here? Or uh, did you we we rented enjoy? a house in Isis Street. That must have probably been the oldest house in Elmaroo. <laughs> it was it was demolished pretty quick after we we left. 
Uh, it was an old wooden villa. Yeah, probably because the McGowan <laughs> brothers, you know, playing. <laughs> it was number four, Isis Street. Uh, and, yeah, it was it was pretty uh, humble. And mm. then, then my mum and dad bought a house. Uh, it's in 94 Reed Street. And we moved in there in 72. And, like, they were there forever, really. And we all grew up there. It's a B&B now. Right. Sort of a um, yeah, boutique B&B. So, at, so then we moved there. And that, from Reed Street, that's when we all went all our different places. Yeah. So the family sort of stayed there for forever. So what did Dad do when he got here? What was his uh, trade? Actually, was... there's a funny story about my father. Was mm. There's a million funny stories about Jim. Yeah. But when he came to New Zealand, uh, my Uncle Neil got him a job at the Freezing Works. And, of course, the Freezing Works is, is something that's only a New Zealand thing. Because in America it's meat processing, yeah. Or if it's so freezing works, you wouldn't know. Mm. So when my dad got a job on a freezing works, he thought it was making ice cream and ice blocks. <laughs> he had no idea, yeah. And you and you wouldn't, you know. Yeah. So so he was at the works like forever, and he became quite a quite an iconic sort of a guy. So he was there right up until he retired. Yeah. And uh, old Jim, and a lot of people out there will will know my mm. father. Yeah. Quite a quite a legendary sort of a character. A uh, good man's club man, a yeah. uh, really good family man. Loved his family, loved his church. That's that's actually all my father and mother really, and they, they just never had a car yeah. in their whole lives. Never, oh. never. My father never drove. My mother never drove. I think they drove each other mad, yeah. but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, but they never. I was the first one to buy a car, nineteen fifty nine FB Holden with the big mm-hmm. fins out the back. And I pranged it two days after I bought it. All the bog fell out of it. <laughs> Ran upstairs and cried. Um, but, yeah, he never had a car. Yep. Walked everywhere. And yeah. So, yeah. Did that he bike out to the works or did he get... Uh, no, he used to get picked up. Picked up, yeah. Get picked the old carpool. He used to pick him up. Yeah. No, my father wouldn't, uh, wouldn't ride a bicycle. He couldn't ride a bicycle, no. No. But that was good that a year after you had been here, he was able to buy his own house and put you guys in oh, it. Oh, well, yeah. they, they bought their house on 94 Reed Street, Damien, for $4,000. Yeah. It's, uh, that's that's what they were. Yep. You know? And they probably actually, Gary, they stayed like that forever, didn't they, really, in Omru until about the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And in a way they went. Yeah. 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 So um, you were, you, you came over here, you, you went, you started school and so on, you, you would have had siblings at different schools at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, what what was the overall family experience around, you know, growing up here? You know, the, how, how did you, were you quite engaged out in the community with different things or were you oh, doing yeah. things as family? Well, everyone, everyone in those days played sport, at least two sports. I remember um, at some Pats, you know, we'd play football in the morning and then we'd bike up to 7th Street and play hockey. You know, yeah. you're only 12 or 13 years old. Everyone played sport. Mm-hmm. Everyone played sport. And everyone biked to school. And, um, I mean, you'll, you'll remember the early mm-hmm. days. Like, the roads were just chocker with kids biking. And the irony of it is, you know, I don't recall that many, like, fatalities of kids biking to school. They'd be two or three of, two or three abreast. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, we were pretty engaged uh, Eugenia did a lot of swimming. Um, the old uh, girls they played netball. Uh, I played uh, football and a bit of hockey, and then played rugby. 
and, and the boys did the same. Johnny, Johnny Two Combs, my younger brother, so I was combing his hair. <laughs> so we call him Two Combs. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. That's good, good information. Well, no, I, only the family call him, so it's a secret, so don't tell <laughs> yeah, anybody okay. out there. Okay, yeah. no, we'll keep it between ourselves. Um, I promise to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, Your fingers are crossed. Yeah, that's, <laughs> sport was a big deal. Yeah. You know, we were, that, that was how you met people then. Yeah. There was no social media and that mm. sort of crap sort of thing. Yeah, so... But we were we were well entrenched with the community, all sorts of stuff, really. But but mainly sport, hmm. uh, yeah. Were you a scholar as you went through high school? Uh, I I actually wasn't too bad. I I, I got UE by sitting it, mm-hmm. and it, it was it was a weird system in those days, really. Like the schools were allowed to accredit hmm. so many people, but it was based on how many kids that did. The exams and passed. Yeah. So the, he was the. It was almost a bit Irish, really. So the 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 kids like me, you know, that was was not academic, but reasonably articulate, as you can tell. Um, so course. I had to sit UE, mm-hmm. whereas was somebody like some donor sitting next to me, um, got accredited, and who was clearly wouldn't have been able to do it by sitting. So. Quite often, some guys who would were brainy and had to sit failed the UE because they didn't have, yeah. you know, exam acumen, and somebody who was not as intelligent passed because he got accredited. It's a crazy system when you think of it, really. So yeah, no, I wasn't academic. I did win the history prize at St Kevin's, nineteen seventy six. Tell us about it. Uh, well, well Dan, you know, I won the history prize. Yeah. <laughs> still got the certificate on the wall? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've still got the photograph. Actually, no, sorry. It, there was another prize before that in 1972 at St. Patrick's. I right. won I won Form 2. I won the uh, poetry. No, yeah, poetry prize. And I've got a photograph on the wall. I have, Gary, yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 there was a poem about Bloody Sunday. Oh, yeah. mm. Which was a massacre at the time. Not and to confuse with the U2 song. Well, no, not the song. One's about the other. The song. Oh, yeah. oh no. Yeah. no, I was famous before the song. Uh, yeah. Did they steal your lyrics? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I, he, wow. he probably did. I used to tell people I went to school with Bono. Yeah. Until I found out he was like ten years younger. Than <laughs> um, but so I won. I won the poetry prize in '72 about a poem about the um, the cover up of Bloody Sunday by the. By the British government, so, yeah, which was quite um, quite political in those days. I was mm. only thirteen, mm. and I this poem came out from Ireland about the massacre, and I picked it up. And everybody else was doing half a league, half a league forward, or or, or um, Kipling, or this, that, and the mm. other. And I threw this one about bodies in the street and mm. all that romantic stuff, <laughs> and I won it. So there yeah. must have been Republicans amongst the judges. <laughs> I think it's probably, yeah, I mean, it would definitely stand out, wouldn't it? I mean, the, and, and it was the real world, oh, you know, yeah. what was happening around the world yes. at the time and yeah. pretty scary stuff that was happening in Ireland. But, Gary, I just want to digress. I'm, I'm not a Republican in New Zealand. Yeah. I actually, actually think the royal families is this guy, William, is it William and Kate? Mm-hmm. They're all right, aren't they? Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think so. 
Now, I'm not turning this around <laughs> questioning you guys, but... All right, hey, we ask the questions around here, Joe. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, well, we're just waiting for Charles to, <laughs> yeah, to get, get through his yeah, uh, couple yeah. of years of, of service. And if he can, yeah, get through what yeah. um, Harry and Megan are doing, and yeah. But we <laughs> well, won't go there. <laughs> we don't have enough time. Well, now, now remember, Damien, what I said before? What was that? We're just, let's not just get... You know the uh, Harry and Megan and stuff like that. Yeah, just yep. yeah. Let's yeah, just leave, leave that alone. Just stick to the knitting. Yeah, okay. Jeremy Clarkson wished he left there alone, didn't he? Did he? Oh okay. yeah. Oh, oh yes, he did. Yeah. Anyway, but, uh, let's we get, get on. on to him. So oh. back at back in high school. <laughs> uh, then yeah, back to high school. Was, uh, was it all boys at that stage? Or? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, there was. I tell you what, uh, St Kevin's was uh, three hundred boarders and sixty day boys. Far out. Right. I oh. think I, I, I'm not incorrect in remembering we had 12 rugby teams. And um, St. Kevin's was, in those days, I think it was, we had Terry O'Neill and Tony Stead, two or three others, maybe four lay teachers. The rest were Christian brothers. Yep. And it was a pretty um, male sort of uh, testosterone sort of rugby sort of rah-rah sort of environment. Um, you know, hindsight's a great thing, but um, so being a football player and having long hair and a funny voice, yeah, and and there was quite a lot of uh, certainly not that this today, but in those days the border day boy thing was quite quite strong. Yeah. There was quite a polarity between the two. Um, certainly not the case now. With males and females, boarders, you you wouldn't you wouldn't know you wouldn't who's know a day boy, and, yeah. You wouldn't know who's a day boy and who's a boarder, and yeah. you know. Mm. So it was quite a big part of the school, um, and of course, Waitiki boys in those days, I think, they had nine hundred. Mm. They had they had like yeah. four hundred boarders, um, and that's one of the things that uh, is quite um, quite telling now when you look at the demographic of North Otago. Um, and you can actually see it in, in the numbers of kids that play senior rugby, for instance. Yep. It's, if you went across all the rugby teams in North Target, the six senior teams, and and um, in any given year, how many of them went to St Kevin's or Waiteki? Be lucky if it was half a team amongst the whole teams, you know, because mm-hmm. the demographic, the numbers just aren't there, um, and the schools are lucky to feel like two or three rugby teams each as opposed to my day when it was 12. Yeah. And the funny thing was, and Gary might remember, St Kevin's had one tiny little football field away down, <laughs> where, or actually where the, where the soccer field is now. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes got, they have two fields now. we got two now. Yeah. we got two. Yeah. Football's very strong at yeah. St Kevin's, as yeah. you know, Damien. Yeah, I do. You've refereed a couple of times for us and, and, yeah. and did a reasonable job. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, you can keep up with riffing. It's it's actual playing. You just struggle at, is it? No, I struggle at both, Gary. Oh, okay, but the bigger oh, yeah. the bribe, the better St Kevin's oh, did. It's yeah. just the way it turned out. Are you still playing, Gary? Uh, Damien, <laughs> are you still playing? No, we only play Masters. Anyway, this, oh, we Masters. won't get onto that. We only play. Um, and we go away we, and play we might have to Masters. call you up. Maybe. Uh, I'll see what I'm yeah. doing now. Could be doing my hair that yeah, weekend. Yeah. You're not 70 yet. Well, I was going to say before you mentioned the, the funny voice and the long hair, well, you still got the funny voice at least. Slightly, yeah. yeah. And the hair's gone. <coughs> yeah, the hair's definitely gone, but um, there's a reason for that. But um, the <laughs> what were we saying before? Um, Are you yeah. talking about size of the schools? 
Yeah, the schools, yeah. Rugby and, teams. Uh, yeah. So, and then, of course, that, that's, that's been quite telling, that the sheer numbers of kids. I mean, the schools are still very strong, obviously. Yeah. But the numbers are, um, the North Target population is probably the same as it ever was. Slightly more. Slightly, slightly you know, more. That's bounced, the, bounced up a bit. That's the irony. The population's gone up. Families are smaller. And, yes, they yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. So you you got through school. You got UE. That was great. Um, yeah. Didn't go to university, though? No. Um, no, yes. I didn't go to university. If you did your research, you'll find out later in life he got his degree in arts. I did, yeah. So he didn't Look, go at the time. How did so you know anyway, that? Carry on. Never, no, no, never, right, never ask. Carry on. Never ask a question you, you don't, don't know the answer, answer to. to. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we we realised you I got know, your degree I know later in life. So what did you do when you oh. left school? Uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry so about the interruption. I was, uh, I was working at Knights Motors after school, a little service station down where the bottom of Torridge Street, and I was working with this guy called Ross Keane. And Ross was probably in his late twenties, been to Vietnam, and I don't know whether it was the tie over from being in Ireland and that sort of thing. So, and at the time they were looking for, um, there was a real shortage of soldiers after the Vietnam War. Nobody wanted to really join the army. There was a lot of ads on TV about, you know, we still had a battalion in Southeast Asia at the time, infantry battalion. So, um, so I joined the army. I thought, well, yeah, that's what I, what's what I want to do. So. Nine months after I joined the army, I was in Southeast Asia with the battalion, infantry battalion, and um, I was. I look back in those years as as very formative for me. Um, I was in, in the New Zealand army in Southeast Asia at a time when, arguably, the New Zealand infantry battalion was probably arguably the best jungle fighting unit probably in the world. Um, the Jungle Warfare School was New Zealanders, SAS guys mainly. The New Zealanders had been in Southeast Asia since 1957. Yeah. And the battalion had never been in New Zealand. It was raised to go to Malayan Emergency. Wow. It went from Malayan Emergency uh, to the Borneo confrontation to Vietnam and had never been in New Zealand. So it went. Mm. And in 1989, it came back, didn't come back to New Zealand, it returned to New Zealand. Uh, so, you know, some guys had been posted like four or five times. You know, they'd served in Malaya, Borneo, Vietnam, yeah. and they had real, like, jungle skills that had been honed over the many years. So so I, I was there at a really uh, great time, had a great time. Of course, at the time, you know, you don't, you don't see it as that. It's bloody trudging through the jungle and drill and yeah. humping up and down and... Um, so I was just a private soldier then. And then I came back, got out, joined the Army Reserve, as they call it, uh, got a commission, became an officer, went back over for a short period as a platoon commander, uh, and came back again. And, and since then, Damien and Gary, I've, I've been to Asia, I don't know. I've just come back, actually, not long ago from Borneo. And um, just I love Asia, I love that part of the world. Yeah, it's a little bit edgy still, mm-hmm. um, but you either love Asia or you don't. No, yeah. For me, it's yeah. So yeah, joined the army, came back, um, was quite on settle for a while. Um, went to the freezing works, had a couple of jobs there, and became a meat inspector for quite a while. Yep. And um, then in my mid late thirties, my techie boys came up. And I was working on a chain, 
And I remember saying to a guy, the next job that's in that paper, I'm getting out of <laughs> yeah. here. And I opened the paper a couple of days later and it was a boarding director job at Waitiki Boys. So how hard can that be? Mm. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I applied for that and had a blast, really. Yeah. It was an interesting time um, at Waitaki Boys and you know, it's been... It's been challenging, you know. Boarding numbers have been dropping, and yeah. um, you know, there's 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 less kids being sent away to boarding school, and and it's more competitive than ever. Well, here, here was the interesting thing, right? So, you know, there were sixty eight boarders when I took over at Waitiki, and I didn't have a clue how to run a boarding school, but I had some real good mates, and uh, and family. So then I thought, well, I'll only employ guys from the army or my family so Paul ended up working for me and Johnny right. Johnny ended up working for me <laughs> guys like John Dorn Stephen Hunter they'd all served overseas and we thought well how are we going to run a boarding school so I thought well why don't we just like run it like a rifle company yeah they're all boys mm. and um, and it was a challenge time for Waitiki boys you know the, the role was dropping and uh, I remember going through you know, I, I told one of the teachers take me through the hostel and just pretend I'm like a parent. And I remember being going through the dorm and I heard this window smashing and, and I turned around to this teacher who was taking me through and he hardly blinked. I said, what was that? And he said, oh, it's probably another window. I thought, oh, okay. I thought, well, that was a big deal, but in the environment at the time, it was Waiteki, um, a wonderful school, but the boarding school had become a little bit um, disoriented. And uh, within a couple of years, we got the numbers up to 80, and then we got to 90, and then we got to, I think we got to, we, we could take 127, I think we got to 124. Wow. And I think what, what it was, um, Gary and Damien, mm. was if you've got a point of, if you've got a point of difference, yes, it's like Omaru with, yeah. with what we've got, with the old part of town, steampunk, yeah. Gary Kircher, um, if you've got something to sell and it's different, yep. that's what you've got to have. Yep, market that. Otherwise, you know. Um, so your selling point was the discipline, respect, the, 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 yeah, and all of that. Of course, we didn't use the D word, no. you know, and they still don't use the D word, no. you know, the discipline word. It was structured. Yeah. It was a structured environment. Yeah. It was, a, it was bullying wasn't tolerant, tolerated. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, rough and tumble boys own stuff. Yeah. All day long. Yeah. So we used to take them up pig hunting when you could. Of course, these days, risk analysis, yeah. you know, it's so exhausting. The kids miss out. It's just too much paperwork, too yeah. much risk. And in those days, we'd throw, you know, Slugger and I and a couple of other guys, we'd, we'd throw three or four kids in a truck each, take them up to Mount Dasher. Oh, mm. did I say Mount Dasher? Yeah, don't say. Oh, oh you no, know no, that one out somewhere of the, in the, Somewhere yeah. in the Kekanoos. Don't tell anyone where you go, yeah, Jay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> out the back. And Beth, definitely don't write in that book that I see your name in, neither. Uh, uh, well, I only, yeah. wrote, I only wrote it in half the time no. I'm up there. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, that, so we offered we offered a structure. Mm. And here's the irony is that the, the, the boys loved it. Responded to it. Because it was yeah. cat and mice. You're the cat, I'm the mouse. Mm. Let, let's get the game for a start. Yeah. You, you want to have a beer, you have a smoke. Okay, here's the drill. I'll you go it. for it. If yeah. I catch you, are we okay with that? Mm. So if you catch someone smoking, you take them out to um, Hildethorpe, 10-kilometre walk, <laughs> put a weight in their pack, 
with my pack, same weight, so I was doing with them. Yeah. Walked them 10 kilometres in. What, are you going to tell your mum and dad that, that Jimmy made you walk 10 kilometres because you were smoking? Yeah, okay, here's the phone. Yeah. So once you get the parents on board, then then the kids have got nowhere to run. Yeah. Quite often, you know, in different environments, it's not my Johnny, not my Jane. Mm. But if you've got the trust of the parents and they can see what you're doing and their kids safe, a safe environment, yeah. structured environment. Structured. Yeah. Like they had inspections every morning. Yeah. Every morning their rooms were inspected. And if they weren't up to standard, well, you know, that there was there were consequences for that. Um, so so I had five years there, um, year nine to year thirteen. I think that was that's what, what I wanted to do. And um yeah, we had some great times, some great stories, some wonderful stories. So what years was that? Uh, that was 1997 to 2001. Yeah, that's five, year, yep. year nine to year 13. And then I left there and went to St Kevin's yep. uh, for a couple of years there. And then... Um, the rec centre, where did that fit in? Oh, that was, gosh, that was about job 29. Oh, uh, that was, <laughs> no, that was that was when I was at Varsity, yeah. So I, I, did, um, I did my degree... When I was at the rec centre, like I'd study at night yeah. and run the rec centre. And um, so I'd, I got a degree and I was going to teach. I, th- I thought I'd teach, but a yeah. um, couple of conversations with a couple of teachers. It probably <laughs> was enough to ski. <laughs> probably, probably, yeah. probably, oh, well, put it this way, I was keen as hell, but the teachers I spoke to thought, well, Jimmy, maybe you want to think about that. <laughs> What subjects were you going to teach? Oh, I wanted to do history or yeah. geography or social studies, you know, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Poetry? Uh, not so much poetry, oh, no. no. no, no. They don't do poetry anymore. Yeah. The, the only poem I, I've studied since is um, oh, Dolce at Decorum Est by uh, Wilfred Owen. Uh, uh, Gary can recite that one off yeah. my heart, Gary. Oh, we haven't got time now. Look yeah. at the time. Yeah, it's, okay. It's going past. Oh, you're dropping a head, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if if it's another good poem, yeah. Uh, if all the listeners are out there still awake, um, Rudyard Kipling. Mm-hmm. If <laughs> if you can keep your head while well, all the others are losing their blah 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 blah, yeah. you'll be a man, my son. That's the last line, Damien. Have you, read, have you, you read? You got to read it. No, but I will. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. You could use it as a sermon. There we go. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. Actually, Gary, if he only used that poem as the sermon. Mm. Then, then maybe people might be able to keep more alert for longer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you've, long. You've heard those stories about him well, speaking for far too long uh, well, as well. I, I tell you what, I, I haven't heard them, but hey, it's, hey, it's not the not. reason I haven't been to your church, Damien, because yeah. I'm pretty impressed with what you got out there. Hey, hey, we're not. This is not about the Damien show here. Let's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all one. We're all one big fan now, Damien. We are. We are, Jimmy. Yeah. That brother of yours. And I remember a job that you two had. Yeah. Bouncing at the Irish bar. Yes. The two Andy Irish Ferdigans. brothers that took no nonsense. Remember that? You must have. Yes, yes, yes. You would have had a few good laughs then. Uh, that was, that was yeah, more, family laughs, and, more family employing each yeah, other. Yeah. 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 Actually, I probably had more trouble with my brother Paul on the door than um, <laughs> than bouncing anybody else. But, yeah, that was – yeah, we all chipped in then. Yeah. That, that, uh, uh, Annie Flanagan's. That was a great era too, that 1997. Was a, yeah. Um and that was that was named after my grandmother in, in some form on my father's side. Was um, that right? That's good history. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then and then there's quite a history about the whole pub because 
one of the buildings that uh, Eugene and Rob had looked at was the one up in um, by the junction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was going to be the hotel. That was yep. going to be the first Annie Flanagan's, but there were some issues with earthquaking and car parking. Yeah. You know what the council's like. <laughs> <Yeah>. Not Gary. <laughs> Don't get me started. Mate. Want to make sure your customers can park somewhere. Yeah. 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 Well, they shouldn't be driving. They go into a pub. No, they got to. Am park. I right, Jimmy? They got to park. Get, well, you're hardly going to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so that was that. Yeah. So Flanagan's was going to be up there, and then um, then uh, the the old B and Z building. Oh no, CBA was Commercial Bank of Australia, where the where the pub is. Yeah, that used to be a bank. And then uh, Nigel and Jen had it and uh, leased it, and uh, the rest is history. And that was that was pretty halcyon sort of days there in the late nineties at at uh, Annie Flanagan's. Yeah, the Irish bars and. Um, a lot of late nights. Yeah, late nights. Great bands. Yeah, there actually there actually wasn't a lot of trouble, you know. I think people were good bouncers. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Poorly paid, I might add. I've heard a rumor that you owed back pay. From yeah, is that like true? The, yeah. Like the Blues Brothers, you yeah. know, they get paid they get paid two hundred dollars for playing a gig, but they drank three hundred dollars worth of beer. Yeah. Well, you dressed a bit like them too, didn't you? Actually. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Actually, and there was a video we made one time. Dressed like the Blues Brothers, and, and Paul was Paul was in it, and I was in it. Bit of a music video. Ah, uh, it was a music video. Yeah. And my cousin was in it, Lillian, and it was down by the other bank. So who was the band? Ah, uh, you know, Yippie Kaye, the the Bronson <laughs> Brothers, uh, br- the Ross Brothers. Indeed. Did you know about that, Damien? No, look at that. I'm learning so much. Oh, listen, you got to get From on. Roger, it's Kipling on YouTube. To... YouTube. Yep. All look right, Damien, where have you been? I'll put a link on Ross, it through under the Ross Brothers. The Ross Brothers. The Ross Brothers. And look up Yippie Kaye. Now, now let's talk about the Ross Brothers. They're quite an amazing bunch of brothers. Uh, Dylan, the oldest one, he's a senior sergeant in Dunedin. I'm allowed to say that. Um, there is your brother Bronson. Uh, Bronson's a policeman as well. Uh, he went back to Ireland yeah. and married an Irish girl when he was propping for Ulster, played Honiken Trophy. Oh, did he? Could have, could have played for Ireland. Yeah. If he had a gone back three or four years, he took over from John Afoa, the oh, All Black, yep. and he propped for Ulster in the Heineken Trophy. Big deal. Mm-hmm. And then the younger brother, Cody, uh, he's a pathologist, and they, you know, their, their formative years were, were living above a pub. And uh, three three more wonderful, you know, boys you'd, you'd, you'd never meet, uh, two cops and a pathologist, you know. Wow. It's a bit like a joke, isn't it? Did yeah. you hear the one about the two cops and the pathologist who, yeah, yeah, yeah. proctologist or something? No, <laughs> I say procto- yeah, that is a joke about a proctologist, but we can't do that. Yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that that's the yeah the pub was a big deal for the family. Yeah. Uh, and so in some form or another, we all sort of Johnny, my brother, he worked behind the bar. Yeah. Paul and I did a bit of that, and Kathy and Anne helped, by, you know, yeah. behind the bar and the kitchens and stuff. No, and it was a, it, yeah, it was. It, it really got a name for itself, didn't yeah. it? That place. And I think the other thing, Gary, is um, Annie Flanagan's was the precursor or, or the igniter of post owner licensing trust. Mm. Yeah. And then that's when the floodgates opened. Yeah. Then, then, no, not nothing disparaging to the council, uh, the licensing trust. Not at all. They do a great yeah. job, but it did. It did open the doors for. All you know, the last post and, yeah. and Portside and all those other wonderful venues, you know. Mm. So yeah, 
And of course, that became Sal, Fat Sally's yeah. eventually. So you know, just in case people didn't realise that's where where it is, yeah. and um, you know, it's carried on, and it's, be, it's still there. So there's a whole generation that wouldn't even know. Yeah, I was just going to say, Gary. Gary's just saying, house. oh, just in case you don't know. Yeah. But like, you think everyone would know about no, Annie no. Flanagan's, but of course, it's twenty odd years ago. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. Gosh. Well, yeah. No, right. No, great place, and still is. Yeah, yeah, yes, it's it a great place, great food. Yeah. So, great um, yeah, you, you you went to uh, your music video stardom, and um, <laughs> yeah, you've got that. So we'll put uh, the link to that. And did and we mention the North Otago? We did, didn't we? Just, but only just fleetingly. Oh, fleetingly. Yeah, we could we could dwell on that a little bit. Oh, no, don't more. go there. No, it's too late. <laughs> you're, you're twenty years ahead of Mr. North Otago already. So, what, what year was Mr. North Otago? Yeah, How better than that? Can you give us the date? 18th of September. Yeah, oh, sorry, 18th of September. What yeah, year? It was, it was uh, a dog barked in the distance. It yeah. was a cold, balmy night yeah. in September. <laughs> uh, the wind was blowing from the northwest. Uh, there was 550 people in the rec centre. Uh, they actually had to set up more tables. Capacity. Upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I don't know anything to do with me. There was a rumour about uh, Jimmy pulled in another 100 people. I, I, I don't necessarily buy into that. <laughs> but anyway, what a night that was. Uh, it, was it was about 18 contestants or something. Any names? Couple, oh, yeah, Stephen Hunter, um, Warwick Anderson, um, uh, gosh, the guy from... Rick Selfs, what's his name? Bloody all the brothers. Leighton Self. Leighton Self. Leighton Self. Yeah. Uh, Justin King. Yeah. The painter. Yeah. Um, Hamish Gray. Stu McPherson, the painter. Yeah. Hamish Gray. I can yes. see how you won with that yeah. list of men. Uh, no, like, listen, well, one or two yeah, of them. Cast, I can yeah. see thousands. you could beat. Yeah. No, 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 to be fair, there was, there was they Some had all sorts of. Yeah. They had all these, like, they had a couple of wee pretty ones there. You know, they kissed a teddy bear and threw it in the audience. For the ladies. Yeah, yeah, um, are you kidding? That's not what they wanted. No. You know, they wanted, like, beefcakes. And, <laughs> so, and that's what they got. <laughs> so so what did you have to do as, as a competitor? Uh, like, did you have to talk about world peace and stuff like that? No, but I had that ready. I, I was yeah. ready because as yeah. an Irishman, I, yeah. I would have taken that hand stone. No, we had to do dancing and different routines. Oh. Uh, with a lot of choreography. No, serious. We, we put in a lot of work into did it. Did you have to put some swimwear on? Uh, yes, yeah, swimwear. No, yeah. uh, sleepwear, boxer oh. shorts. Oh. Uh, and I think that's what done it for me, you know. Because <laughs> in those days I had pretty good legs. <laughs> Uh, so when I turn around, I'll give him a calf shot. Yeah. Of course, Yay. Yeah. I'm just hoping there's no photos of that anywhere around. There is. There's oh, a there photo hanging up in the rec centre in the hallway, I believe. Not that I check every now and again. Yeah. Should be in the archive. It's one who hasn't been stolen and some girl's got it up on her wall. Yeah, or some guy. Yeah, well, you Hey, it's 2023, Damien. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get with the program. Yeah. It could be some guy there with my photo, and that's okay. Yeah. Hey, Gary. Absolutely. So, there you go. So <laughs> you won the competition, and life, yes, I did. Life for that year, where you you couldn't walk downtown without people wanting uh, autographs. It became a bit of a recluse, really. Did you? You had away from the stardom. <laughs> but here's here's yeah. how here's how it got, Damien. Here's how it got a bit messy, like. You have first, second, third, and and popular choice, right? Yeah. Now, the popular choice is some donut normally who, <laughs> who you know, everyone feels sorry for. Yeah. You know, oh, popular choice, give it to him because he's not yeah. going to win anything. Here's what happened, right? Popular choice, Jimmy McGill. 
okay, so that's cool. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to win it. Yeah. Yeah, I should have thought I was going to win it, but I didn't, right? Yeah. So You're a modest guy. I have. Well, I can't, can't not be. So I get this prize, and I was really happy with it, you know. Yeah. And then third place was some, I don't know, I don't even know who won it. I wasn't listening. Third place, second place, and the winner is Jimmy McGill. Are you kidding? How embarrassing was that, getting two prizes? <laughs> but the audience give me the Mr. Donut one. Yeah. But the judges give me the, you know, yeah. unfortunately the judges were like Brian the Geest, Graham Sutherland, uh, Eugenia, my sister, um, <laughs> Ricky, so, Gil, Ricky Gilchrist's wife, he'd been in the army. And there was a lot of so you knew, slagging off. Um, you knew some people in the, on, on the judging panel. Well, my people knew their people and my people yeah. had lunch with their people. But a bomb, but a bang. Yeah. You know, yeah. hey, we know where you live. <laughs> you know, do you really want to vote for this next person? You know, we know you live in this street. Yeah. We, know you, we know you've got a dog. We know you've got a cat. We mm-hmm. know you're close to them. You really want to vote that way yeah. against an Irishman? <laughs> so all that talk. Nothing an, in an it. Irishman trained in, in using guns. There was, yeah. there was nothing in it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, why didn't Paul ever enter? Uh, other than the obvious, you were the better ah. brother, but was he just... He oh. doesn't have the calves. We'll leave it at that. No, I no? think... No, Paul's a different beast. Yeah. Paul's a... He's a relatively modest man. Is he? Sure. Yes. He's a man who is... Uh, He's a, he's a very learned man, a very uh, self-opinionated <laughs> man, uh, but a very clever man, and I loved my brother to bits. Um, uh, so, But no, Mr. North Otago wouldn't be his bag. Uh, Johnny, my youngest brother, yeah. he, he, he would be sort of... Yeah, he'd be right up there. He'd, he'd be kissing teddy bears and throwing yes, them out, yes, wouldn't he? Yes, he's a teddy bear man, all right. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, very good. But, uh, can I, well, can we? We have to be very careful, Gary. Yes. Uh, in the woke, uh, can we say woke? We yes. can say woke. Yeah. And you can say. You know, it's okay to kiss teddy bears. There's people out there. Hey, Gary Catcher said something about me kissing the teddy bear. I know. It's okay, people. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Damien thinks yeah. it's okay too. I think Damien, you okay with the teddy bear thing? Well, well, <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a yes. He's, he's a, he is a big teddy bear. Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you've always also got those members in your family that you just, you know, you've come out here, you've reset all the next generation wrong. And Jason Martin, where did he come from? That guy, you're like. Yeah, well, we all, yeah. Should yeah. we not say anything about him? Yeah, a lot of, like, a lot of, Jason Martin and then, what? Jason Martin? What? Jason was the first one. Yeah. He was Kathy's, he yeah. is Kathy's boy. He must have been spoiled too much. Uh, but to he's, he, yeah, Jason is very. He's a very much a, um, a McGill. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's yeah. got that sort yeah, of... Yeah, McGill. Uh, uh, actually, he had Christmas with me. He had me New Year come yeah. out to my place. Mm. Uh, wonderful guy, Jason. Um, but there's he's, there's a spark in him too. So he's the oldest of the, wow. of the grandkids. So he's the firstborn. He was the first one, born in 1976. Yeah. Um, my oldest boy is Rory. Uh, and then I've got Rory. He's a policeman here in Omaru. Yeah. Um, is it okay to say he's a policeman? Yeah. yeah. Well, people Maybe are okay with that. Police person. A police. Oh, police person. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is, is he binary neutral? <laughs> they give out teddy bears. Actually, yeah. please, please have them in the cast just in anyway, case they need them. Anyway, you were, we were doing so well, Jimmy. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then there's Sean, and he lives yeah. at Glenavy. Uh, just got married last mm. year. 
Then I had a daughter, Emma, who uh, passed away, was in an accident. And then I've got Liam. Uh, he's worked for Air New Zealand, flies all over the world. Then I've got Joseph. Uh, he's a builder in Wanaka. He's just had a little daughter. Uh, he's a builder in Hawea. And then I've got Bridie. Yeah. Uh, she's year 12 at school. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm married to Joe. Awesome. Yeah. And do you want to just, you know, most people know who Joe is, so just talk about her role in the school and first ever principal, yeah. female. Yeah. Yes. What um, an amazing job she's doing. Yes. Now, Joe's, um, she's the first, as you said, first principal of St. Kevin's College, female. Uh, she's into her second year. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a, a principal of, of any school. Mm these days is incredibly challenging, you know. Like the old days, the teacher's just teaching and then uh, and, and the kids go home. Um, it's the, the teachers are the glue between teachers and, and police, yeah. sort of the glue that keeps the community together and they, they do an incredible job. So I'm really proud of my wife, you know. Really proud of her. She's, yeah. she's, she does a wonderful job. Amazing. Just, yeah, and um, Paul Olsen, fantastic leader, but the way she's come in and she's carried on the excellence that he bought, and, but she's also holistically with the staff and that, doing a fantastic job. So yeah. you pass on our love from Gary and I to her, yeah. and, you know, yeah, and, I will. Um, and I make will. sure my children get straight A's. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I ask. Well, hang on, I didn't get them. <laughs> so you ain't getting them. <laughs> Yeah. 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 No. The, the, the whole. Yeah. yeah the, a lot. Of, a lot of teachers become social workers, and um, yeah. yeah, that's the nature of the job. And you can you can see why they they burn out too. Mm. You know, it's it's just relentless. But you know, getting back to the schools, how lucky are we really to have what we got? Yeah. Um, three completely different schools, um, doing doing a wonderful job, and with, with great names in the community yeah. and further. You yeah. know. So you you your current job you still you 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 went to St yep. Kevin's yes I'm I'm at St Kevin's I've been there since 2020 um, and my role is um, quite varied it, it uh, goes from a sort of property management um, we the, the St Kevin's Foundation which is a, is a, a a board that was set up 1980s to yeah. raise money and and assist the school. So I look after the, the foundation's property. We've got a massive um, project coming up in the next couple of years of, of renovating the um, St. Kevin's stables. Yep. Um, and that's uh, it's a grade two listed building. And we're going to turn that into something incredibly special for the North Target community. Oh, wow. So it's going to yep. be like a pavilion um, and it's got accommodation. People can come get married there and have the whole service. So it's, and we're hoping that it will complement, um, be part of the wider stadium um, when, yeah. it, when it kicks off. We'll have bespoke accommodation there and, um, yeah, it'll just complement nice. hopefully what. So my, my role there is, uh, you know, ostensibly working for the foundation, managing its property at Taywood Street. We, we, we now have a lot of um, accommodation supplied for um, meat workers in the area because yeah. there's just nothing around for migrant workers. Um, we've got uh, Fijian workers, we've got Cook Island workers, we've got Halal workers, all accommodated there. So in, in some ways I'm I'm back to managing a boarding school but with with um, yeah. big boys yeah. and girls. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's quite a challenge too but a lot of fun. 
So you, you, is this your last job, do you think? I think so, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I, I you know, like I'm 63, uh, 65 next year. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time. I do, mm. I do quite a bit of hunting. Mm. And um, I've got good mates and my, my best friends also are my family. Um, but I'm, I'm in a pretty good place at the moment. I, yeah, this is definitely my last job. Yeah, definitely. I, I couldn't, uh, you know, I could do lots of other things, but I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And, um, and in some ways, um, I've developed quite a rapport with a lot of these Islander boys. It's a little bit like being back in the Army. Mm. You're sort of looking after them and mentoring them and sometimes giving them a little bit of a, you know, telling off when they need it to protect them, yep. to look after them, different cultures, different challenges. So it definitely is my last job, but um, I've got a lot left back still in the tank. Yeah. And I've got a lot to do at school. We've got this stables to do and we've got some pretty ambitious plans. The foundation's got some ambitious plans and, and the community's going to really benefit from them. It's uh, whatever yeah, we've good. got in mind is, is community-based. Um, so just watch the space, I think, really. Yeah. No, good to hear about the stables. Pretty pretty cool building and yeah. um, unfortunately not been able to be used because of the earthquake rating. Yeah. But, yeah, get it back, back in use would be great. Well, the good news is we got uh, Dunedin Company to, to assess the building yeah. and it came in at what they call NBS, new building, 100%. Wow. Uh, so I'm not name-dropping, but... Right. Um, it's a the, change of scenery from yeah, what it was yes, originally. Yes, it was. Yeah. So we were really buoyed by that. But the patron of the um, the whole project is Alec Neal. Mm. Oh, is he? So Alec's a good friend of mine. Mm. And he's a real good friend of North Targo and a real good friend of St Kevin's. Mm. So we're, we're really proud to have Alec's name associated with with the St Kevin's yeah. Stables Foundation. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so... We've got some work to do to get the money, but um, we're not uh, – we're not. And is, is Alec still up in Christchurch? Yes, he is. Yeah. I saw Alec just before I flew out uh, to Borneo. I, I popped in to see Alec and uh, caught up with him for a couple of hours. And yeah. He's in pretty good spirits. Good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. he, he was a lawyer, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alec and was a lawyer. And he went into politics? Or? Yes, I think he had three ter- three terms with uh, – Look at that. And he played outside me – well – yeah, uh, he was uh, played on the wing for Athies. Yeah, uh, he was a sprint champion. Yeah, very fast, very very fast runner. Yeah, but no good if he couldn't catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alec. <laughs> you know, hey Alec, next time you run for the try line, make sure you catch, catch the, the ball, ball first. first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, he was a great Athies man. Yeah, yep. yeah, still is. Yep, yep. And you still get along support athletes, uh, you boys, or do you? Uh, well, I've sort of dropped off, but my my brother-in-law Paddy Lawrence is uh, on the he's on the committee or something at Athies, and I promised Paul and I both promised yeah. Paddy that we'd we'd go out to Athies a couple of nights, and a few of these Fijian boys that I've got, um, they're Athies players, oh, that's and they said to me last night, Jimmy, uh, are you going to come out and have some beers? And I will. Yeah. yeah. But to be fair, I haven't been for a while. But, but I'll, I'll make a date of that. So final question for me. You mentioned hunting. Um, are you a better hunter than Damien? Uh, probably. Well, yeah. I, who would know, Gary? Yeah. I don't know. 
he's got divine assistance. You see, <laughs> he's got he's got the big fella looking out for him. Mm. So it's, he's got he's got like a drone, right? Right. So so he's probably walking like around yeah. out there, mm. and God's going, uh, Damien, next gully over. There's two reds down <laughs> there. I don't have that. Yeah. yeah. I have yeah, to have a drone. Yeah. <laughs> Paul bought a drone. Did he? Yeah. We haven't well, used it yet. The, the sad thing is you have to put up with a pool carrying around hunting, and I've got a pool I go hunting with too, and um, ends up running around the scout hard in his undies at night time chasing mice or something. Yeah. So maybe you and I should just leave the pools at home and go out and be yeah. done with it. But what about the rumours of you having to poach your deer? Now, I heard a wee rumour about it. Are you want to... Um, confirm or deny that that, that uh, uh, jumped over the fence before or after you De- shot it. Deny. I tell you what, Damien, that has that that story's got a beard on it. Has it? If if if, but I can't tell you it because the guy that that give me the so, trespass notice yeah. may well be listening to this. Huh. But um, but it was quite a. Uh, the answer is no. I didn't trespass. The, the short answer. I don't know how much long we got. It's the old story. Yeah. I had a couple of kids with me. Shot it. 400 metres, ran over the fence, things lying there wounded. I shot it. I dragged it back over. And the farmer rang me a couple of days later. Was that you? I said, yeah, I saw you. I was waving to you. He said, oh, well, yeah. And then a couple of days later, Ash comes up, knocks on the door. Oh, Jimmy, you know what this is for, yeah. (laughs) Trespass notice. Yeah, okay. Uh, But that was in March 2010. But thanks for bringing it up, Damien. Yeah, Yeah, sorry, well... (laughs) Yeah, 13, say, 13 years ago, and you're dragging up yeah. this sort of rumour. Hey. <laughs> Gary. Unbelievable. Gary, have you got anything on him? <laughs> oh, oh, so much. You know, and that's just from Masters Games. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, thank you for coming in today. One thing, you had a nickname for your younger brother, but we didn't quite get the nickname for Paul. So did you want to even it up and chuck that out there? That was... uh, he's got a number of nicknames. Yeah. Uh, Rooster. Rooster. Mm-hmm. Rooster and Magor. Yeah. There's another, we only call him McGaw up the hill. Do you know he wants to be Connor McLeod? That's who he told me. Yeah, to from call the Highlander. Him. Yeah, yeah, the Highlander. That's yeah. all I was allowed to call him at youth yeah. group when he was our youth group leader. Yeah. Well, I worked alongside him a wee bit at work and income, and yeah. yes, preference there was Big Dog. Big Dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Connor now, McLeod, listen, you two. <laughs> listen, you two. It's a bit of a shame. I'd like to say to my brother Paul, yeah. just be happy with yourself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. be happy with who you are. Yeah. Don't want to be somebody else. Yeah. You're okay the way you are. Yeah. 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 Just Paul. We yeah. love you just the way you are. Yeah. <laughs> and one day, too, maybe in. Quite a few more years, we might interview him on a podcast, like yeah, way, when, way down the track. When he becomes a legend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah well, there's only one room in that family for one legend. And no, there's... Jimmy, you're there's, it. No, that was my dad. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, but he wasn't available, so... Yeah, no, we, he wasn't. We got, got you mixed up, same name. Yeah. As, oh, here yeah. we go. Yeah. <laughs> No, look, it's been great having you here today, Jimmy. So enjoyed um, the you know the bit of banter. It's been great and learning a bit more about you. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, boys. Yeah, you, Jimmy, the kind of you and your family. Obviously, everyone feels like they know you because you have been part of our district, and you are. It says you take generations to become a Omaruvian, but you guys are true blue Omaruvians. Yeah. But yeah. I really appreciate you sharing your story about when you first come here, and I didn't know all of that. And yeah. um, but your your upbringing, and, and almost like being refugees in here, but the, the town was good to you. So thank you for opening up and sharing that. I reckon there's a book in there someday, Jimmy. Yeah. And um, and then your exploits when you're. 
in the army, so um, yeah. Oh, sorry, it was the Salvation Army. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a real church. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. All right. Thank you. Thanks. For Thanks coming. very much. There you go. There we go. I wonder how much trouble we're going to get in for oh, this podcast. I'm thinking, oh, gosh, there's a bit of dead out on this one. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe not. Ah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, hey, that was good talking to Jamie. It really good. It was, yeah, like I was saying to him just before, that was amazing to hear that story about how he came here. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was interesting to to see what life was like for him as a child and then moving to North Otago and being completely different. So. Yeah. We don't know how lucky we, we have it sometimes. No, it's stories like that that make you appreciate just what we do here. So, yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah. He's a good man, Jimmy. So if you see him round, say hi and shout him again. And, yeah, get a photo with him because he was Mr. North Otago yeah. at one stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>